don't jump into partnership with somebody just because they offer to be your partner. So if you can partner with somebody who has a complementary skill set, don't think their skill set is more valuable than yours or yours is more valuable than theirs. Welcome to the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. My name is Kerwin Donis. My brothers and I got into real estate investing to achieve financial freedom and help underserved communities in Guatemala, where our mom is from. Real estate is the vehicle we're taking to achieve our goals. And you can too. On this show, we share the stories of some of the most successful real estate investors to show you that you can succeed in real estate just like they have. Each episode, we deliver inspiring and educational content that will empower you to launch your real estate investing career and achieve your financial goals. Let's go. Tamil Kenny and her husband Mark are seasoned real estate investors and the founders of Think Multifamily, a leading multifamily acquisition and education company that prides itself on a family-oriented approach to business. Mark and Tamil started their real estate career over 25 years ago and have a passion for helping others succeed in the multifamily arena. They have invested in over 10,000 apartment units with a strategy focused on acquiring, owning, and operating apartments. Tamil Mark and the members of Thick Multifamily have provided my brothers and I with invaluable support throughout our journey. Tamil and I had a great conversation about the importance of educating yourself in real estate, networking, and how finding other people in this space can help propel your growth and success. Tamil and Mark didn't get into large multifamily right away. Like my brothers and many other investors, they started their real estate journeys in the single family space. My husband, Mark, and I started Think Multifamily about six years uh, or so ago, um, which is an investment company. It's a multifamily investment company and education company where we teach people how to invest in or how to go out and purchase through group purchasing or syndication um, multifamily apartments. We typically focus on 100 units or more, and we can get into it later of why we focus on that. My investing background is Mark and I started investing in real estate, small multis and single family. Actually, he started with his twin brother just before we were married. We've been married 26 years now. I got married to him when I was 20. So I knew nothing. So I thought anything we were doing together was an adventure, right? So he was working a lot, a lot, a lot, like, you know, 100 hours a week. And at the time I was working and going to school um, and then trying to manage the apartment while he was gone without really knowing what I was doing. Um, so it was a challenge. We didn't know anything about syndication at the time. We only started buying like duplexes and triplex and a quad and a couple single families with the money that we had on hand with his twin brother. And then again, we were trying to manage it on our own. So evictions and shoveling snow and fixing things as we were able. What we learned is we had to rehang drywall, even though we didn't know what we were doing. After we paid um, a contractor to hang drywall who was supposed to have known what they were doing and found out that they did a really bad job. And that with just because we were more detail oriented and we really cared what it looked like, we just went for it, right? So that was definitely a lesson learned. Never, ever pay a contractor until you've inspected their work. Even if you think you owe them the money, if they did a bad job, don't pay them. <laughs> so, um, yes, that was, was quite the adventure. I'm sure Mark has lots and lots of stories about what he and his brother ended up doing. Quite honestly, 
they did a lot of the work, the, the fixing the toilets and carrying refrigerators up this up the narrow staircase, because in his hometown, they have a lot of the the older houses with very narrow staircases. We even had to, well, we allowed my younger brother at the time to move into an apartment. He was supposed to pay us basically that weekend for something, some rent and never did. Little did we know that once somebody is in a apartment, it's kind of like that they have the legal right to stay there, squatters rights or something. So getting him out was a little bit of a challenge relationship wise, because he was family, it was just one big hot mess. Oh, I was just going to say, well, that's the the real estate background. I, I have an education background as a physical therapist assistant, which is the associate's degree. And then when we came to Texas in 99, I got my RN license. So I'm a registered nurse, although I'm not practicing because I find real estate a lot more exciting. Balancing work, their family, and their portfolio, which was in another state, Tamil and Mark were feeling overwhelmed. After a break from real estate, Tamil and Mark decided to move into the larger multifamily space. So we, like I said, we started back uh, when we were first married 26, 27 years ago. And it was just, it was a challenge trying to manage all those small multis on our own while working full time. Um, near the end, I had my own full-time job as well. And then um, we moved to Texas. So then you're trying to manage them across state lines and having to fly back on a regular basis to take care of things. And it just became too much. Again, especially since Mark was working 100 hours a week and I just couldn't manage things on my own. Mark's twin brother was also working, you know, very similar hours to him. They were in a similar business. And it just became too much. When we moved to Texas, we bought a couple of single family new build houses. But again, right when they the leases came up, I didn't know or want to handle trying to find new tenants. So we sold them right away. So we were out of real estate for a while. Um, and after we were married for about 17 years, um, maybe 17, I don't know, I lose track of time. I just kind of told Mark, we really need to do something different because our marriage situation was was hurting significantly. We had a couple of kids. We were doing um, a Christian school hybrid, which meant I also had to be their teacher a couple days a week. And it was just so stressful. And he wasn't really around to help much or participate in a relationship with me. He was always really, really good at about finding time with the kiddos. So honestly, our marriage had to find another solution. A friend of ours at the time was doing apartment syndication. I believe that was in 2013. And he asked us to be a passive investor in that deal. And then he told us about a conference um, that was teaching apartment syndication. Now we knew knew about how to do small multis and using our own money, but we didn't know about syndication and using other people's money. So that conference um, went really well for us because we ended up signing up for that coaching program. Um, and it, it was it was great. So just to give us that concept of syndication alone and being around a bunch of other people also doing syndication. So that was really our, our beginning of passive investing first. Then it took us about a year to find our own syndication deal. And, and I can tell you that, you know, the market was a little tricky, but the market's always tricky. You can always find a good deal somewhere if you're looking hard enough, right? But 
we had to learn how to focus because we were learning or we were researching um, uh, storage unit facilities and we were working with a builder who was going to try to help us to get into that. And then it was a lot of money down. Just we were going to be the only um, GPs on that deal. And we just got nervous last minute and pulled out. Uh, we didn't have an offer on anything. We were just about to go build something ourselves and then decided not to do it. And then we were going to develop a luxury neighborhood in the Dallas area. And then for one reason or another, it didn't work out. We weren't going to have enough land for what we wanted to do. And then that basically created our opportunity to really focus on multifamily investing. So we were able to push harder about finding a deal. And one thing Mark likes to tell people is you really need to focus on the size of the deal, the asset class, your location. So you're not looking at anything and everything that comes across your desk. I get probably 20 plus deals a day in my inbox and I can't possibly look at everything. I can't send them to my team to analyze because I am not the analyzer. I feel like I'm wasting their time. So I will only send the deals to my team that it's in a market that I like, that it's a vintage that I like, um, and maybe a couple more details that I like. I don't like apartment complexes that have mostly all one bedrooms because they tend to be more transient people and you're going to be paying more money for rehabs between each tenant. I like more family-oriented apartment units. So, you know, maybe it's half one bedrooms, maybe the other half is split between two bedrooms and hopefully three bedrooms because your families tend to stay longer. Before entering the multifamily space, Jamil was a stay-at-home mom. When she started attending multifamily events, Jamil had to grapple with fear. She didn't think she knew enough to converse with other attendees. Although she had some initial fears, she took action and eventually got comfortable being uncomfortable. My limiting beliefs came from I was a stay-at-home mom forever. So even going to networking events, I'm like, what do I say? I'm not a business person, business savvy. It's been forever since I've had adult conversation. So honestly, even when I went to that first conference, because I went by myself, Mark and I had to time it differently. He went to one, then I went to one. I was so nervous when breaks came up because I thought, well, what are they going to ask me? I don't know anything. And then after a couple of breaks and realized when you are networking with people, they really just want to get to know you. It doesn't really matter what you know. Chances are half of them are new to the, the event space or that asset class anyway, but they really just want to get to know you. And if you can learn how to listen well and communicate well, ask them questions about them, their kids, their hobbies, anything, that's really what makes great networking is people want to know what makes you different from everybody else in the room. So that was my limiting belief in getting started there. When we were starting to go after our first syndication deal, of course, anytime you're first trying to raise money for an investment, it's a little scary because you don't know if it's going to go fast, if it's going to go slow, what happens if I run out of time, do people like this deal, do they not? So our first investment, we raised a million dollars and that was scary for us just because it was our, our first time. Um, but yeah, that was our first syndication. <laughs> On their first apartment syndication deal, Tamil and Mark faced some unique challenges. They learned the importance of walking all of the units in a property before closing and having a well-written agreement between a seller and a buyer. 
Mark can speak more to the technicalities, but I remember that first deal was two 32 units that were right next to each other. One of them was actually for sale. While we were there touring the property, we realized that the owner owned a kitty corner, really shared the same parking lot, another 32 units. So we bought them collectively as 64 units. One of the things that we learned while going through it is it was registered as an HOA, but it really wasn't an HOA. So we had to try to clear that up before we move forward with title. Um, also, the apartments are supposed to be make ready before you take over ownership and it closes. And so you actually need to walk all of the units that are supposed to be ready for you. Because if that's not in the contract, that if they are not make ready, that the seller will actually credit you money so that you can make it ready. Um, it, it, your conversation, whatever you have with a seller, it's almost like it didn't exist. If it's not in writing in your contract, it never happened. So we learned to put that in our contracts, every single one. Um, those were probably the two biggest lessons learned on that property for me. Tamil, like many other new investors, wasn't an expert on multifamily real estate terminology when she first broke into the industry. It was a challenge for her to learn how to speak like a multifamily real estate investor, but she knew why it was so important to understand basic real estate terms. The steps Tamil took to develop the knowledge and confidence are applicable to newer investors who might not understand the lingo and feel uncomfortable navigating networking events as a result. I kind of look at it like if you can just go and, and I'll just speak from a, a spouse, a woman's perspective who's not or wasn't in the business world. It was intimidating because maybe Mark knew more because he was a CPA and he at least understood the numbers so he could engage with people on that, uh, that level. Going in and networking and you don't know the language, if you are with somebody else who might know a little and you guys can just start asking questions other people who are more familiar with the industry when you're networking are more than happy to educate you typically. Maybe you ask them about their first deal and how they got started. If there's a word they're saying, make a mental note and you can either go look up that word when you get home and keep a notebook if you need to. Or honestly, just say, you know, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what that word means. This is my first networking event. And people will kind of, oh, okay, so let me explain what LOI is or what syndication is, right? LOI, the letter of intent, and, and so on. So the more people understand where you are, the more they're going to be able to talk to where you are and explain some of the acronyms that we often use in our, our industry. One great thing that you can do for apartment investing, learning the lingo, is go and listen to more conversations listen to lots and lots of podcasts, read books. Um, even on our website, we have a resource section that just has a bunch of the common terminology. So if you can go and read a few of those and at least understand what people are talking about when they say some of those words. To be successful in the multifamily space, you'll need to make sacrifices. When it comes to self-education and prioritizing the things that matter, Real estate podcasts and books will likely take the place of other hobbies and pastimes. Tamil had to make time for real estate education because she understood why doing so is essential to succeed in this space. Because everybody only has so many hours in the day. So if you don't prioritize what you say is important to you, the things that are important are going to be left behind and you're never going to reach your goals. If you're working a full-time job and 
have children and trying to do this on the side and go to the gym and be healthy. It's really, really tricky to maneuver if you are not prioritizing. So like you mentioned, fictional books, I, I have not read a fictional book probably since we started this business. I keep a lot of the ones I want to read or want to read again on my shelf just in case I have time someday to go read a, a no-brainer book is what I call it, right? So I have just switched my reading time. If we go on vacation or on a plane, I do read the books that I want to get to on, um, on business. Why? It's because now I enjoy that. Now business is my passion. What else can I learn? What else can I try to help other people learn? Um, so that's how I have switched from reading um, fiction books to like regular self-help books and technical books. Partnerships are a key part of succeeding in real estate, especially in multifamily real estate. It's difficult to fulfill every role in a general partnership as an individual. That's why so many investors team up with others. However, partnerships are like any relationship. Without the right communication, things can go bad really fast. Tamil has gained wisdom on how to maintain the health and productivity in a partnership, especially if it's with someone like a sibling, friend, or a spouse. Like I said in the beginning, Mark and I, um, our marriage was really, really struggling before we started apartment investing. And I think it was struggling because neither one of us knew how to communicate well. He knew how to talk off the wazoo. He could win me, win, win any conversation because he's so quick-witted. He's very logical. I'm not logical. I'm more emotional and creative-minded. He's more tactical, technical-minded. And we really needed to learn how to communicate or dance together, right? Robert Kiyosaki likes to talk about doing the dance. Um, so through marriage counseling and, and other things, right, we learned how to communicate. One of my struggles I found was that I just was not confident with who I was, that I felt less than. Maybe that's uh, partially my own making. Maybe it's my upbringing. Maybe it's because Mark was so confident in everything that he did and he was just naturally good at everything that made me feel like I was less than. And that is never good in any marriage or in any partnership. You really need to find something that you are good at, that you can build your own self-confidence on that. And then you can bring that strength to a partnership because nobody is strong in everything. Everybody has weaknesses. It's just a matter of where they are. Mark and I have learned to work well together in our partnership because he's the technical now and I am more of the back-end branding, marketing, our, our communities, our our events that we have with our members or that we have like the Fire Summit, the Deal Analysis Workshop or any events that we sponsor, I'm in charge of all that. And quite honestly, it took Mark a while to really gain confidence that I knew what I was doing. I wanted a bigger marketing budget when we first started. Although, and I had to wait until we hired a coach who told Mark, hey, you really need a bigger marketing budget. So sometimes you do need a third party helping you if you're a marriage partnership telling you that you're like, you know what? Hey, it's okay. This, this is the direction you need to go. And that's okay. Like, just like I said, with our marriage survived because we went to counseling. She's technically our marriage coach. And then we went to another kind of like marriage group at a church, which helped, um, helped us significantly as well. The more honest you can be with your marriage partner, your business partner, the better off you're all going to be. Nobody wants to tell somebody 
like, hey, I don't like that. I don't like the way that you said that. But if you can get enough courage in you to say, you know what, hey, when you said this, it made me feel. Maybe it's harder for men to express how they feel. I get that. But it's harder for women to want to make somebody feel like they're criticizing them. But you have to be direct so that the other person can also be direct and you can work out whatever issue it is. Because otherwise, you're just like sweeping things under the rug and pretending like, okay, well, we fixed the problem because now I'm pretending like it doesn't exist. But that creates tension and built up resentment. And that's only going to blow up in your face, whether it's your marriage or your business relationship. You really have to be able to trust fully your business partner and your marriage partner. Our attorney, Dugan Kelly, always says that it's a lot easier to get out of a marriage these days than it is a business partnership. And we have found that so much to be true. Um, So be very, very careful who you actually get in partnership with. And here's another tip on partnership. Never go directly 50-50 in a partnership with somebody without a contracted third person who will agree to break any ties you have. I say it has to be in writing or it never existed. So if say it's just Mark and me or Mark and another person in a partnership, which we have a scenario on in your, in a, in your apartment, just say you bought a 10 unit apartment with one other partner. That's it. If you're 50, 50, who's going to decide when to sell, who's going to decide if you're going to hire a property management company, what happens if all the vac- all the units are vacant and that one partner is supposed to be asset managing and now what's happened to your money? How do you get out of it? How do you get your money back? You're stuck because that one partner won't sell, right? So it's very, very tricky. You have to have a third party sign somewhere on a contract, talk to your attorney, who's going to be the decider on um, how things get done. Tamil and Mark founded Think Multifamily. The multifamily group is an acquisition and education entity that has created a community of family-oriented multifamily investors. Tamil and Mark were inspired to start the group after realizing the lack of a family-oriented multifamily community. We were in another coaching program at the time, and we felt that things were not run the way that we would run them. We would not speak to people the way people were spoken to. Um, it just felt like it was every man for himself, shark eat shark, and that just didn't sit well with us. So we ended up leaving that group. And then after we left their group, maybe within a couple of months, other people were like, hey, we really need to create another group that has XYZ because it doesn't seem to be out there in the marketplace. So we're like, mm, well, mm, maybe. Do we really want to? Because we just got out. So we feel free. We already had properties. We were working toward our financial freedom. Mark was able to get up, uh, give up his 100 hours a week con- uh, consulting job. And we were just doing apartment investing. But the reality was that I could not look back. Um, so I pictured us being on a speedboat, speeding away from that island, and we were leaving everybody behind. And we just couldn't do that. Quite honestly, I felt that God was calling us to start another group that was family oriented and teaching the values that we hold to be true. Um, the real estate guys often say that you can't, um, you can't teach character, like you either have it or you don't. So that is the company that we wanted to base our business off of or the model. So that's, that's really why we created Think Multifamily. When we first started, it, we went from one parent, Mark, working all the time 
to two because it took both of us 16 hours a day to research content and make sure we had everything that we thought we needed, all of our ducks in a row to start leading people. And even to hold our first conference um, was a little nerve wracking because I wanted to make sure we had the education for them that they needed uh, needed to hear. And uh, I don't know if how many of our listeners are faith-based, but like in the Bible, it talks about Jesus going to the garden of Gethsemane um, on his knees, praying to God and asking him because he knew you know, dying on the cross was coming and he would pray that, you know, God basically take this cup from me, but not my will, but uh, your will be done. And that's what I, I prayed over and over and over because I knew if you were leading people in the right way, because we were getting ready to start, you know, that leading a lot of people, if you're leading them in the right way and you actually care about them, it's, it's stressful. That's a huge burden to carry. And I wanted to make sure that this was God's calling us to it and not us creating it out of our own emotion or desperation or other people's desperation. So he never told me that we could stop doing it. So <laughs> here we are and we're still leading a lot of people and um, we, we are just confident that this is God's calling for us. Think Multifamily has a unique community of abundance-minded multifamily investors who collaborate on apartment syndications. Tamil and Mark have cultivated this welcoming environment. It has empowered multiple fledgling investors to get into their first 100-plus unit apartment syndication deals within the first few months of them joining the group. Think Multifamily has a unique structure that has created a family-like group of investors brought together by Tamil and her husband. We believe that uh, most people in general, when you're, when you're trying to teach a concept, you want to tell them how to do it like show them how to do it, let them do it, and then try to get them to show others how to do it. We believe in servant leadership ourselves, as well as we're trying to teach that to our members as well, to encourage others to jump on the bandwagon with you. So if you happen to have a deal and you're going under due diligence, we encourage our members to invite other newer members who haven't toured a property to be, uh, before to join them on the due diligence so that they can do the walkthrough on the apartment. Due diligence is where you, you go to your apartment complex that you're trying to buy and you walk every unit. You have um, technical skills there, checking out the roofs and the plumbing and, and the wiring and all that jazz. So you can really see what you're buying. And that is just an amazing opportunity for every newbie out there is to walk the units like that because you you learn a ton what you're actually looking for and how much things might cost when you're rehabbing units. Because when the due diligence team is walking each apartment inside, they're they're making notes of like your windows and the the roofs and the floors and all these things that might need work or could need work or definitely need work. And then they put all that together and tell you how much it's going to cost um, for your, your, your rehab budget, basically, right? So that's definitely one way we're trying to teach our members how to, to be servant leaders to other newer members. We also encourage our members, our new members are supposed to introduce themselves to the group through a diff couple different channels. And then one of the first assignments they're given is to reach out to two, three, four of the other members and start building relationships, start asking questions, because this relationship 
this business is a relationship business, whether you're networking outside at other events, or even if you're networking within our group um, that has over 100 members now, it's important to make connections. Um, I found that valuable, actually, when I was volunteering almost full time for a church years ago. They basically, you kind of learn some behind the scenes stuff with churches when you do that, but they, they realize that people stick with programs or churches or communities longer when you've made the connections and you tend to, you tend to be more productive or get more stuff done because the connections hopefully are holding you accountable and continuing to bring you back in. So life happens while you're busy make, making plans, right? You join a group, life happens, something stops you from doing the syndications or analyzing deals or whatever your role was but then you, you've got to have somebody to grab your hand and pull you back in like, hey, it's been a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks since I've heard from you, or it's been a month since I've heard from you. What's going on? How can I help you jump back in? So that's really the relationships that we're trying to cultivate with our community. Throughout her time in real estate, Tamila's learned to choose her partners wisely. She encourages students and newer investors to not rush into partnerships and to vet anyone they're considering working with. Not only do you want to make sure you get along with your partner, but you want to make sure you complement their skill set and share the same core values. One of the biggest early lessons and in the middle lessons and um, is choosing your partners wisely. Don't jump into partnership with somebody just because they offer to be your partner. You really want to match skill sets. You don't want two people necessarily in the partnership who have the same skill sets. Um, so Mark and I learned that his skill set is analytical and he's doing the detailed coaching and my skill set is like more of the back end and the, the communicating at events and all that jazz. Right. So if you can partner with somebody who, ha who has a complementary skill set, don't think their skill set is more valuable than yours or yours is more valuable than theirs. We are all kind of like members of one body where it takes all of the appendages to work together in order to move forward in this business. Um, and what I mentioned earlier about partnerships, choosing your partner wisely. Um, another not so pleasant partnership experience we had was we trusted them because they came from church and um, you really want to do your due diligence anyway and every way you can ask questions, do background checks. Um, you can't trust people just for the sake of, hey, they're trustworthy and they say the right things. Because for a little while, it's easy to make people believe you are who you appear to be versus who you actually are. So do your research, ask a lot of questions, definitely do background checks if you want to. Um, so that's probably the biggest lesson learned in the, the business. For me, it's the thing I've, I've learned personally is I've gained a lot more confidence. The more I learned a skill set and could grow on that, the more I became um, self-confident, which it's, it's amazing. Like if you get something or a skill and you realize, Hey, this other person that I thought was really, really smart, like my husband, um, I thought he was so smart, but he doesn't know this. Like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. I know something he doesn't know. And I just kept learning that over and over and over again. Like, Hey, he's, he's not as good at, at this particular thing, but I am. So that built my confidence up the wazoo. And I can say I am a totally different person today that I was six years ago. I don't 
scare so easily, but you really want to invest with somebody who's who's been through the ringer, who's experienced all that. They've experienced the ups and downs because if they haven't, well, your deal might be the first <laughs> and how are they going to handle it? So those are definitely some big lessons learned for me. Tamil has learned many lessons from partnerships she's had throughout her real estate journey. She now understands the value of having an impartial third party to help resolve disagreements and being cautious about partnering with property management companies. Remember I said about the partnership the 50-50 somebody needs to be the deciding factor. We were going to have um Bob Helms, the godfather of real estate, be our our third factor. Um unfortunately he's passed now a wonderful wonderful gentleman. but we were going to have him be our third deciding factor so i think that's invaluable another lesson with partnerships that we learned is we will never partner again with a property management company because if they are your gp general partner and your property management company it's a little easy to hide things um from your other partners when they have multiple controls over the business so those are two big lessons learned for us Mark and Tamil have built an impressive apartment portfolio through syndications. They've also nurtured a strong community of investors who help each other succeed in the industry. In the long run, Tamil aims to continue to grow the group she and Mark have worked hard to create and continue to help their students elevate their lives one multifamily deal at a time. It's pretty much just helping our current members um get success with their financial freedom. um teaching them how to educate their maybe high school kids, college kids that we don't have to send our kids off to college in order to get a good job, in order to work for somebody else for 40 years. That's kind of like the old way of thinking. We're very entrepreneurial mindset. Our son who's almost 17 is very entrepreneurial mindset. He doesn't want to sit behind a desk all day long, so He's kind of listening to any guidance I might have for him of how he can get started in real estate investing at his age and how he can plug into our family business. I just I love that that we technically have a family business. So honestly that's kind of like the next thing that I want to move think multifamily into is taking the quote adult education and how do you translate that into the young adult mindset of where they are cuz obviously they won't have necessarily the earnest money to put down or um they might not know how to analyze deals so they we've got to learn how to help them see the bigger picture almost like macroeconomics and break it down into bite-sized pieces where they can figure out hey where can i get involved maybe it's just starting to network building relationships right cuz this is a relationship business it's all about who you know and who they know the more confident you sound when you're talking to people about this business the more they'll take you seriously so you can start building a list when you're younger right it's all about who you know and who they know that's kind of my goal is to find ways to incorporate the whole family and not just the adults in the family there was a time when tamil didn't have confidence as a real estate investor and expert now she has developed faith in herself and has identified her strengths which allow her to bring value to others. She now encourages others to do the same and highlighted the role finding your superpower can have in building confidence in a budding real estate investor. I think it'd be to find confidence in yourself. Find what you're good at that you can bring to the table. If you don't know what you're good at yet, 
attend some of these networking events, listen to podcasts, read books, at least get your firm foundation of knowing that you have some knowledge and, and your confidence will build. The more you do, the more conversations you have, you're going to get more confident in your skills. When you go and communicate with people or network with people, it's a little scary at first. Ask them questions about themselves because everybody knows the most about themselves. Ask them about their spouse or their current job if they have one. What caused them to um, get started in real estate? If Ask them if they have any current real estate and how it's going for them. Listen actively and ask them questions on what they're saying. And then everybody will walk away from that conversation thinking, oh my gosh, I like this person. This was a great conversation. So the more you can build relationships like that, don't try to hit everybody in the room. You're going to remember nobody and they're not going to remember you. Take your time. Make eye contact when you're talking to people because that really shows that you value them. Those are my tips. If anyone wants to reach out to Tamil or learn more about Think Multifamily, here's how to do it. They can go to thinkmultifamily.com. That's thinkmultifamily.com. And if you want to reach out to me personally, it's Tammy, T-A-M-I, at thinkmultifamily.com. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. If you got value from this episode, please do us a favor and give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Make sure to visit our website at www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash monopoly, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you'll never miss a show. If you want to avoid the top five mistakes passive investors make, you can also check out our free ebook by going to www.donisinvestmentgroup.com and downloading it. Be sure to tune in to our next episode. Until then, take care, guys. Take care, guys.